welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is a podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. Hey guys, welcome to episode 42 of the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. I am your host, Belinda Risley, and today I am joined by a drifter, Jake Jones, all the way from Barossa, South Australia. In this episode, you're going to hear about what is drifting, how do you get started, and the business side of drifting. So once again, if you've got a pen and paper handy, stay tuned. But guys, I need your help. We are looking for some feedback regarding an industry conference for motorsports, both four four wheels and two wheels. Um, We don't actually have an industry conference, so we're looking to put one on, but we would love to know what kind of speakers you'd like to hear from, um, what kind of subjects that you would like to have, and basically where you'd like to have it. All of those wonderful um, information. So if you've got one to two minutes spare, if you can he- head to bit.ly.com forward slash M-O-T-C-O-N-F. If not, the link will be in today's show notes. That'd be greatly appreciated. So let's get started with Jake. Hi, Jake, and welcome to the show. G'day. How are you going? Thanks heaps for having me. Oh, well, I am excited to have you on today. It's the first time we've had somebody in the drifting scene. So I'm Blase to it all. So I'm ready and willing to listen to whatever you have to tell us about drifting because it certainly is of interest, but I know nothing about it. So let's start off, Jake. Let's tell something about you. Uh, okay. So um, as you know, drifting is a completely different platform to what you're used to. That's, um, that's for sure. But a little bit about me. I've actually never been involved in any other motorsport besides drifting. So I haven't gone from like go-karts to drifting or like uh, the dirt carts to drifting or anything like that. I've just at a young age seen drifting and um, I don't know, I was just hooked straight away. But uh, I still have a huge interest in other forms of motorsport. I follow the V8 supercars uh, or you call them supercars now, Uh, F1 and, you know, just like anyone try and keep up with MotoGP and there's just that much going on now. It's uh, it's pretty crazy, but um, yeah. So, how did you find out about drifting? Was it too much Fast and Furious movies, or was <laughs> it on YouTubing? Like, how do you even learn about drifting if you've never been involved in motorsport? Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Like, uh, my dad was always into his V8s, um, and for some reason, I wasn't a big fan of them, but. Um, I seen drifting at a friend's house when I was about 14. I think I was, it was 13 or 14 years old and um, his brother was watching uh, this this show and it was a Japanese drifting event. Yeah, yeah, I've seen And they were, they were in a car park in all these, you know, it literally like looked like Fast and the Furious. They had the, <laughs> the lights under the cars and everything and it was an actually it was actually a national round of the drifting um, series over there. Yeah. And I was looking at these cars basically being out of control, but they were still controlling them. And I don't know, I was just hooked. Like, you know, you just walk past the TV and you see something that's interesting. I was just instantly hooked and I didn't want to leave until the show was finished. It was, yeah. So then since then you do your normal thing and you just want to know everything about it. Um, And yeah, honestly, from that day moving forward, I was just so interested in it. I, yeah, it was just, I needed to know everything about it. So. Yeah, and so educate us, Jake, like um, what is drifting and 
um, you know, tell some specs about the car and how it operates and how is a race meeting run and things like that? Yeah, so um, drifting is is obviously completely different to your normal circuit racing, for instance. So a good way to put it into, like, so you can understand it is, like, you know how you got uh, motocross or, like, bike racing uh, and then you've also got freestyle motocross, so where they do jumps and tricks and whatever. Uh, so that as- aspect has got judges and the other one has got a time set, like you're based on how quick you are. So it's pretty much exactly the same. Uh, we have a panel of judges. We're not timed. Uh, and the three criteria are usually judged uh, your, your line. So the line that they pick, the speed and uh, the angle. So in a nutshell, um, we can go all the way across the other side of the world for a drift event. Uh, and we can make one mistake from the qualifying point moving forward. Uh, you make one mistake and you're, you're out. Uh, you can't like make a mistake on one corner and catch it up the next lap sort of thing. Yeah. So that's, uh, it's one of the most exciting things about drifting, but also one of the worst things cause you know, you can travel across the world and make one little mistake and you've got to crap, you know, come all the way home with nothing. So, um, as for the cars being set up, they are honestly relatively similar to like a circuit car. Like it's obviously we got a heap of steering angle. Um, we have, there's so many ways of doing that now. There's heaps of companies involved with giving different steering kits. Um, and that's a big thing, but with grip, we're always chasing it. I know it doesn't sound right cause we're always sideways and out of control, but we are forever chasing grip, bigger rubber, uh, more contact on the on the ground, more bite forward um, because obviously the quicker you can drift is the quicker you can get away from your opponent as well. So, yeah, there's there's a lot involved in drifting now compared to when I first seen it on the TV back when I was 14. <laughs> you are based in Adelaide. Is there a track there? Like how do you actually get started? Like you said you saw the, the movie and then what was the next step to try and find out what is this sport and how do I get involved? Uh, yeah, so we have Malala Raceway. Um, obviously the V8s don't go there anymore. But um, when I first started Drifting, I was about 19 years old. So from when I first seen it, I was 14-ish and I literally saved every single dollar I could (laughs) up until I bought my first actual drift car at 19. And they hold pretty much every month they have a practice day out at Malala Raceway and anyone can go there. Anyone can go there on the day. You can buy a a CAMS license on the day or you can buy a yearly license. Um, And then it's about a... well, back then it was like $80, I think. I think it's about $100 now. Uh, and you've got four hours of track time. You can go out and just get the feel of the car or you can do exactly what I did and put it straight into the wall first lap. <laughs> yeah. So you were saying that the cars are similar to circuit cars. Are these cars that you can buy just off Gumtree or um, where do you purchase a uh, a drift car is it a special yeah well any, you can pretty well drift any car that's real drive um obviously has an lsd or a, a welded diff so both wheels are spinning at the same time um and some decent suspension like you don't you don't need to get a handbrake you don't need a 
do all these other things to it to have an actual drift car and go and have some fun. Like they actually have drift schools around the country now. Uh, I know there's one in Victoria, New South Wales. We don't have one here in SA, um, but they give you the fundamentals of how to do a donut, a figure eight, and also how to enter into a corner, which is once you got that down pat. And if I was able to do that when I first started, yeah, you'd be so far ahead. It's not even funny before you got out to the main track. And is drifting a big sport in Australia? It is. Um, I'd say it was a lot bigger when I first started or just before I started. Uh, we had a national series running and there was it, back when Fast and the Furious come out, it just, it was huge. It got so big and then, I don't know, it just sort of crashed out of nowhere. But um, it's building back up. <laughs> Sorry. When Fast and Furious finished. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, when it turned into submarines and tanks and... <laughs> yeah, that's right, the last one, yeah. Yeah, but um, it is it is still on the rise, I think, again. Uh, there's a lot of events happening. Like, if I wanted to, I could almost do an event every second weekend around Australia. There's just there's state events. There's, um, there is a couple of uh, series that run around the country. There's a high-tech national series. Um, and, yeah, there's a lot of drifting available and there's also a lot of demos that uh, I try and do as well. Like I do the V8 uh, Supercar Around Adelaide, Clips or not Clips or it's Superloop 500 now. Um, and, yeah, there's just there's heaps of opportunities around the country here. And where did it start from? Like you're saying you saw it on an Asian uh, video. Is that where it's yep. from or is it from the US or...? Yeah, so it started in uh, in Japan, in the hills of Japan. That's where it originated from. And, um, yeah, it kind of just blew up in Japan and then the rest of the world just caught on. So uh, now I'd say it is probably the biggest in America. Uh, they run a, a, a huge series over there where it's, you know, the top teams are running on million-dollar budgets, like multi, multi-million-dollar budgets, um, and it's – it's huge. So um, Japan's still very big, uh, but I wouldn't say it's as big as America anymore. And is there money in drifting? <laughs> <laughs> there is. There, there, is? Definitely, there definitely is. Um, there's, I don't think there is any paid full-time drivers in Australia. Not that I know of. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, uh, you know, the Americans live off it. There's Japanese guys that live off it. Um, and, yeah, it's definitely like I can't see a reason why it wouldn't be uh, a profession here in Australia. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's growing definitely. It's just on the rise. I'm trying to get there. Yeah. And is that your goal and aspiration to be a full-time drifter? <laughs> yeah, definitely, 100%. Like I'm, uh, I'm stretching overseas as well because, uh, you know, to do it here in Australia we need a big national series to be running. Uh, and obviously the sponsors have to get a return of investment. As you know, It's that's what it's all about. And in Australia, there's probably just not the big enough audience, I think, you know, like with the population of uh, the Asian countries, even actually even New Zealand uh, is a lot bigger than Australia with drifting as well. So I've actually done a round there this year and um, hoping to do the whole season over there next year. And do you know of many drivers that, that do participate in um, drifting that do race various other forms of motorsport, like I think um, Shane Van Gisbergen does? Yeah, yeah. So he, 
yeah, is there any other drivers that you know of that, that do it for a bit of fun or, or a different style of driving? Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of guys that transfer from like go-karts or um, so on and so forth, but I think Shane Van Gisbergen's probably the only one that is in a professional like supercar series still doing drifting, but he only purely does it for fun. Like um, <laughs> I think he just likes borrowing other people's cars and thrashing them. <laughs> why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> and so when it comes to drifting, is it very taxing on the body? Does it require a lot of fitness or is it just like driving a car? Like, again, I've no idea. So talk me through it. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't think there's any crazy physical strain. Um, it's all mental to be honest. Like if you, oh, the mental strain is just phenomenal. Cause you could be like, you basically, when you get to a battle, you're up against another opponent. Uh, and you both get a chance at leading and then following. And um, these days we have a spotter, so we have communications in our ear, and the spotter will tell us how we went on the first run and what we need to do to win on the second one. So if he says to you, you've got to go all out or you've got to do something crazy to win this battle now, uh, you'll be sitting there waiting for the light to go green and all you're thinking in your head is like what you need to do to win and it's just, it can make or break here before you even take off. So I think the mental side of thing is the biggest, like absolute biggest um, thing. And do the, you do a lot of work around mental preparation then? Like do you do visualisation or do you work with a sports coach? Um, do you have your own like kind of routine that, you know, you take three deep breaths before the yeah. last screen or something? Like how have you learnt to deal with that mental prep? And what yeah. Like I've got to be honest, there's it got real bad at one stage. Like I was um, basically running a program that was way out of my depth. Like I was struggling to afford it, um, and yeah, literally at each each time I'd pull up, I'd literally sit there thinking, "What am I doing? Why am I here?" And I I couldn't believe it would just pop into my head. It was really strange. So um, to sort of combat that, I just I have a few things I do uh, I do visually before I have a run and that's just basically getting your hand-eye coordination in check. Um, it's real basic stuff. It's literally like looking at the steering wheel, looking at an object maybe 20 metres further in front and then one really far away and you do it really quick. So you, you're basically getting your eye to focus on distances long and close. And then uh, it might seem really silly, but I, you get your, your right hand to do a figure eight and then your left hand to do a figure eight. And for some reason, it just gets everything in check. It's really weird. I, I learned it from an F1 book, actually. <laughs> That's fine. Like, yeah, because it's brain perception and, and just getting that, um, the brain ready to go into that figure eight. Yeah. I assume there's a lot of um, reflexes. Um, well, I, I assume, yeah, reflexes are really important. Oh, definitely, definitely, because... Um, everything's sort of split second as well. Like you're within a couple of centimeters of another car and you know, if you are on the gas a little bit too much or you pull the handbrake at the wrong time, it can, yeah, split second decisions just change the whole weekend. Like I said, you make one mistake, that's it. It's game over. So, um, yeah, reflexes are definitely a big, big factor. And do the cars crash? I like yeah. like the drifting or rolling and stuff. Like it's never on Fast and Furious, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they do. I've had a few myself. Um, but, yeah, the majority of the crashes are light ones. 
Uh, it's literally just, you know, because um, we're almost touching most of the battles that we're in. So some of the big crashes have been like just through visibility. Someone spun out a lot of smoke and they haven't been able to see the car and head and they've gone straight into it. But, um, yeah, there have been some other crashes which have been quite big. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, just like an informal motorsport. It's definitely dangerous. Um, now, we mentioned, Jake, before that it's hard to get the sponsorship because it's maybe not as no- well-known as like a V8 supercar or supercars in general. Um, what do you do in order to get sponsors and who kind of sponsors a drifter? Is there a specific market or are you just happy to get any type of money? Yeah, it, this is an interesting one. It's still one that's extremely uh, hard because drifting's not really seen as a, like, top-of-the-line motorsport um, and it's all, it's it's kind of hard. As soon as you come across as a drifter, some companies sort of look down on it. Um, they don't actually even look into the return of investment. They just see the name straight away and they're like, oh, no, nah, not interested. So, Is there a lot of association with being hooning? Yes. And promoting hooning. So I guess a lot of sponsors' values would be like we, we don't want to be involved with hooning. Yeah, exactly. And the media obviously have made that extremely hard for us. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, there's so much you can do outside of what you're actually doing in a car to help a sponsor. Like, and that's, that's all I look at. Like I look at everything outside, you know, like I do guest speaking, uh, do school visits. Um, I also do a lot of, as you may know, a lot of YouTube stuff behind the scene now. And there's just, there's always extra things you can do for companies and brands to help promote them. And it's, it's honestly the sticker on the car and the actual drift event itself is only a very small percentage of, of what you need to do to actually keep a sponsor and maintain it. So. Yeah. So I get other sponsors predominantly like product people um, that are involved in the sports or do you find that you can engage um, small local businesses like a baker or a butcher or the the hairdresser um, because of the other opportunities that you give them like the video content, social media stuff? Yeah, definitely. Like I think uh, anyone from your local shop to, you know, the biggest company in the world is, a, is definitely approachable uh, and there's definitely a return of investment on all those aspects. Like even your local tie shop, you know, like there's – a huge amount of benefit, like even with my local uh, wheel aligning shop, you know, like the fact that I go down there and just get a wheel alignment with them, put a post on social media, people come in then and just tell the wheel aligner or the owner there, I want to get the same wheel alignment as Jake. Like they have no idea what my settings are or anything like that. They just want the same one. So that happens quite a lot and that's, yeah, it's not even, yeah, it's not even a, a thing that we sort of looked into to create a return of investment. It's just the extra thing you do that ends up creating a return of investment, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. And you are really big on video. That's where we <laughs> met. Um, I saw the video of you impressing your fiancé or girlfriend oh, uh, yeah. to re-meet because uh, you missed out on meeting Scotty McLaughlin and, yeah. and you organised that. That was fantastic. Well done. Um, yeah. 
So did video come natural to you? Have you done video training or you just knew that that was something that you needed to do to be different from, I guess, the other competitors, knowing that you were competing with the other bigger motorsport names, names categories? Yeah, so back in 2011, um, I committed to basically funding myself to go over to New Zealand and run a series. Uh, and I managed to get uh, Yokohama Tires on board and they organized a film crew to come with us. Uh, and that is when the filming sort of started and I was terrible. I was just a single monotone, like struggling to say anything. It was just, it was horrendous. Honestly, I look back at the footage now and God, what was I doing? But you all got to start somewhere, you know? So, um, sort of, uh, I didn't actually really start focusing on YouTube until 18 months ago. And I just knew like with everything I was doing in China, um, and all this stuff overseas, like I'm, I'm looking back and I'm trying to think of stuff when I'm telling friends or family what I did. And I'm like, I can't remember exactly what happened. And it was more of the fact that I wanted to capture everything. So I can just look back one day and go, Oh, that's right. That's what happened. Or, you know, like it's just yeah. capturing your whole adventure for yourself Yeah. then turned into like a really good thing for sponsors. So it was a win-win at the end of the day. And now I've just sort of kept it going and, it's it's actually fun. It's not really a job at all. It's yeah, I quite enjoy it. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you do really value YouTube. Um, had, can tell us like how did you get started? Is it are you self taught or did you engage with someone to help grow your channel? Like tell us some stats. Like where's the YouTube channel at now from where you started eighteen months ago or fifteen months ago that you just mentioned? Yep. So I actually started the YouTube channel in two thousand and. 10, I think, and I would just put up like a raw clip of my car drifting. Like it'd just be a single run, no talking, nothing. It'd just be the car running. And I did that for eight years or something and it never really got anywhere. I'd put like maybe one or two videos up a year. Um, and then I, when I started uh, 18 months ago, actually talking and explaining or vlogging as they call it, I think I was at 3,000 subs just from the eight years or whatever it was uh, leading up to it or seven years. And since I started vlogging up until now, it's almost at 16,000 subscribers. And yeah, and had over a million uh, views. And, you know, each month we're getting a million watch time minutes. Like it's huge. It's, it's people are actually hooked on a video for an average time of seven minutes. Like you think, with this day and age of social media, you know, people just flick through, like they're just, the attention spans maybe three seconds. So I've managed to get people to hang around for seven minutes on average watching a video, which is honestly, it's insane. So, um, as for the training and who helped me there, it was, I'd just watch other YouTubers and, you know, just see how they did do it yourself stuff on their cars or whatever. And, you know, you just look at it go, well, I could just do that myself. So I actually bought a, um, just a couple of GoPros and just went from there. So, <laughs> and so when you go to vlog one, how many times per week do you actually vlog or how many times are like a month or something? Is it a weekly thing or is it a monthly thing or it's just when you're competing? Uh, it's, I do a couple, like a few a week. Um, and then when I do an event, I'll do it daily. Like I'll, like when I went to New Zealand, I, I think I did seven days in a row um, and it, 
you know, it takes a lot of work. Like the editing for me is like maybe three, four hours of video. So you think you do a 12, 14 hour day, whether it's working on the car, getting things right or testing, you then got another three, four hour period to quickly edit it. And then you've got to spend time uploading it. If your internet connection's down, you know, you end up with four or five hours sleep a day, but I don't know. I enjoy it. So it's, uh, <laughs> and do you like script or plan the content that you're going to do or are you just like run raw? No, nah, that's a good question. Actually. Like I, I was just capturing everything at the start. Uh, but after I met a few guys that are just booming in this industry, they said they just try and limit everything now. So it's just really easy to edit. Uh, so they basically try and set out a plan for each day and they'll film only the necessary stuff that they're going to film. But with me and driving, I try and get different angles and then I've got to try and match the footage with each camera. And, and then when I get editing, I want, I, I'm so hard on my editing, like I'm picking on everything and yeah, I need to, I need to relax from that and just <laughs> let's. Did you teach yourself? editing or a course or yeah yeah so i i self-taught myself with um uh iMovie to start with and that's just the standard thing that comes with mac uh and then i went and bought uh what is it final final cut x or 10 or whatever it is yeah it was like a 500 dollars program and i was like oh i don't know if i really need this and as soon as i did i'm like yeah it's so much easier you just literally dump all your footage in and then you just go along editing it and yeah it's simple as fantastic great to hear the other big platform that you're a fan of is linkedin tell us yeah. how that has helped or hindered um your career to date no linkedin's been good um i kind of feel like it's a i don't know i kind of feel bad because uh, i do abuse it a bit like if i'm looking for a certain marketing manager of a certain company. Um, and, but you know, like it, it's been really good. I, I put all my videos up there that are short and engaging, uh, because obviously it's a business platform. I don't really want to flood it with stuff that's not relevant, but, um, nowadays what isn't, isn't relevant on there. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I just, uh, I found it a really good platform to put my drifting videos cause you know, there isn't anyone else doing it, to be honest. So mm -hmm. it's definitely and, Like you said, uh, finding details of potential clients, uh, sponsors, is the objective, really. I mean, yeah. it used to be, like, for jobs, but now it is for, like, networking and building those connections. So um, that is very good. But, Jake, you also have a social media. Well, you also work with Think Tank um, Media Social. Um, tell us why um, you work with them and what kind of services they add to you and how they've helped you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, I actually seen what Think Tank Social were doing with uh, Caroline Buchanan. And, um, yeah, so I actually got in touch with Sam uh, that runs Think Tank Social and had a good chat to her about what I did, uh, what I wanted to do moving forward. And in a nutshell, I really needed someone to help get negotiations across the line uh, and also think of some new ideas and out-the-box ideas with potential sponsors. So, um, yeah, Sam and Caroline there, they've been incredible. Like they, um, you know, for, 
for someone who's, or for those guys who have never been involved in drifting or anything like that, but they're so full of knowledge with um, sponsorship and, you know, return of investment to companies, their ideas mixed with my ideas turn into these crazy ideas that we've put together. And um, Crazy just in itself. <laughs> pretty much. And we've actually put together some really great plans. Yeah. Uh, we've actually put them forward to a fair few companies and some things are in the pipeline. Uh, a couple of companies have unfortunately pulled back from it. But, um, yeah, I think the partnership I've, I've grown with them has been has been unreal. And, you know, you learn so much from having outside people get involved. Um, and, yeah, they're just super motivated, uh, passionate people, what they do, and you just can't, you can't really beat that, you know. So um, I'm definitely going to be keep, I'm going to keep working with them moving forward. Uh, and yeah, with, for my dreams to get where I want to get, I definitely need people like Sam and Caroline in my program. That's for sure. Yeah. And I was lucky to meet Caroline on the weekend. And she was here oh, cool. Yeah, so she'll be coming up on our future podcast episode as well. <laughs> um, but for those who want to learn more about Sam and how she can help athletes, um, Sam was on a previous episode on episode 34. So if you just go to iTunes and check it out, um, it was a very educational and fun interview. So <laughs> again, if you wanted to know how social media can help you as an athlete and think tank social can as well, um, check that out. Um, now, Jake, when's your next race meeting? You said you're off to New Zealand this weekend. Uh, yeah, leaving tomorrow. So um, we're down heading to the South Island. Yeah. Uh, going to Christchurch. I think the racetrack's still called Rural Puna Raceway. Um, but I think it has like a naming rights sponsor that has changed the name. I'm not 100% sure. But when I was there nine years ago, uh, it was Rural Puna Raceway. But um. Yeah, so going there for a, an event called Glory Days. It's like a big festival. Uh, they have a drift comp and also just a, everyone can come out and drift their car for the whole weekend. It's just a massive, fun, basically drift festival. It's it's pretty cool. Is there many spectators that attend an event other than family and friends of competitors? Yeah. <laughs> um, there is, but all depending where you go. Like, you know, I've been to events in China where it's sold like crazy 30, 40,000 people. Uh, but then I've also gone to events in remote areas like Winton. They don't get a huge crowd. Um, they, they do. They, it's not a dig. I'm just saying it's a remote area. <laughs> For those that don't know, I live near Winton. So <laughs> like, I like it. No. <laughs> but yeah, also like Malala, um, they don't get huge numbers, like maybe a thousand, uh, and then the new racetrack at the Bend, that's actually growing quite a lot, even though it's a long way out of town. Um, they're getting numbers up there, which is good now. Fantastic. And so what are your career aspirations? Is racing full-time in Australia making this a profession or is it is something that you need to go overseas to pursue? Yeah, so my goal is to get to America in the uh, Formula Drift Series over there, which is it's, it's pretty crazy like I haven't actually even gone there to see it live yet which is my first plan um but I have acquired my license in the pro series uh I've built my car to go over there and um I literally just need to find the support now to get there and run the series so 
everything's sort of sitting there ready to go. I just need to, yeah. Make you, know, you just need to start dangling that carrot in your video. <laughs> hey guys, I'm to go to America. I think people are sick of hearing me say it. <laughs> Maybe you need to just to do one of those pledges. Yeah. <laughs> just crowd support. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so Jake, just to wrap up, um, do you have any words of advice for people wanting to get started in drifting? Um. Like, where's the first thing? Like you said, obviously, you can go to your local track. Um, they can get a license. Is there somewhere online that they can go and have a look to see where their local track is? Yeah, so I think the first thing you should do if you're interested is definitely try and hit up the schools. Uh, that's obviously the best way you're going to find out whether you even like drifting or not. So, um you know, a lot of people have got into it and it's just been way too much and they've just sold straight away. So I wouldn't jump. Is it expensive? Like obviously you don't know comparative to mainstream motorsports, but like for a season just to kind of throw us some numbers there. Yeah, so for me to do uh, a full year of, let, let's just say for me to do uh, the New Zealand series, I know that's overseas, but say once you get there and run the whole series, you're looking at about 50,000. So, and it's only a five, five round series. So a good, a good drift event, you'll spend 10 grand quite easy. So obviously kind of sponsors like tires are really important. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, My first, my first full year, I spent 20 grand on tires. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There was 200 and, Oh, I can't remember how many tires, but they were ninety-seven dollars each. So whatever that is, just over two hundred tires. It was. Oh, talk to Bob Jane. <laughs> um, so obviously you've got a very exciting um, journey coming out, Jake. And you currently do have your YouTube channel. How yep. can people um, follow you? Yeah, so it's just uh, Drift Squid on YouTube. That's uh, also known as. Me, that's what people call me, Drift Squid. And uh, that's also with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Not that I use that at all, but. <laughs> I love you know, Twitter. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And because in America and the UK, although it's not very high in Australia, a lot of the um, drivers are on actively on Twitter because for them it's real time. So they just go on there and they do a tweet. And because there's only 120 characters, they don't have to write like a full essay about their race weekend and how that uh, went. So a lot of them just go in there and go like practice was crap or practice was amazing with <laughs> race one. Um, but they're more approachable as well, like engaging conversation on Twitter. So I actually love Twitter. Don't yeah, right. <laughs> I feel for the motorsport industry, especially like um, if you're wanting to do or follow international people or to, to race internationally, that there's a lot more on Twitter than actually like even on Facebook and Instagram, to be honest. Yeah, right. There you go. That's what you've learned today. Yeah, I really should be on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jake. I hope all our listeners um, got to learn a little bit more about drifting and the ins and outs of it, obviously from the business side as well as um, the competitive side. I know I've got some good notes here. So (laughs) thanks very much for your time today. No, thanks for having me, hey. It's uh, It's been good. 
Yeah, and I'll have all of Jake's um, links to all his social media for you guys to easily go and access it over at iTunes, Spotify, Podcast, Feed, and Stitcher. (laughs) (laughs) Big mouthful. Thanks very much. Uh, Maybe we'll have you on again um, next year to see how that journey to the US is going. Yeah, definitely. That'd be great. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Jake. Thanks, Eves. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's show. I really hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Now, remember all the show notes with the links and the specials mentioned in today's show are available over at motivatetraining.com.au. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could head to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Motorsport Coaching, subscribe and leave us a review. Each week, I'll read them out and you'll go into monthly draw to win a fantastic prize. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at motivatetraining.com.au or head over to our Facebook page at Motivate to Tea. Until next time, take care.